podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to another episode of Courtside Fracker. I'm joined by Greg. How's it going, Greg? I'm doing well, man. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Looking forward to the start of the uh, of the NBA playoffs when the real basketball starts. But we got we got one more day left, man. Yeah, listen, um, it's been quite the end of the season, and as much as people have said they don't like the play-ins, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, I find this. I found this last week. Teams jostling for positions. Teams trying to avoid other teams, which we'll get into. Um, Shameful behaviour. <laughs> which has been quite interesting. Um, and we've got Rick, who's becoming something of a regular. How's it going, Rick? Good. I'm glad to be back. Um, yeah, I'm excited for starting the playoffs too. This playing thing is nuts. Like I looked at the standings like yesterday, and today it just doesn't matter. I was like, like I don't know what's going on. So I love it. Yeah, it, it has kept teams on their toes, and it has meant that the teams who are you know tenth, eleventh, instead of tanking and giving up their season, they've been able to keep playing. Which we've seen uh, Washington case in point. They've been able to keep playing and and fighting for something, which has kept. Um, their fans engaged and which has led to much better games than you usually get this late in the season. So to be honest, from my perspective, and I think you guys echo the same sentiments, uh, long may it continue. Um, before we get into the meat of the podcast, we, we usually just kind of talk about a few topics which have uh, caught our eye across the week. Um, I'll start with the first one, which I'm sure you guys will have been no strangers to, the 2020 Hall of Fame class. Um, led by three players we, we've spent the last 10, 15, 20 years watching in Kevin Garnett, Tim Duncan, and obviously the late, great Kobe Bryant. Um, first of all, it just shows me how old I'm getting. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. I, I, remember when, I remember when I was a kid and uh, my dad went to LA for work and he came back with a Shaq jersey and I wanted a Kobe one. And that was like the year 99, 2000. And here we are discussing... Kobe in the Hall of Fame 21 years later. It's crazy. It's crazy. I think even the same with, with Timmy. And obviously, Timmy was always this kind of clean cut San Antonio spur. You know, uh, he has tattoos, but where he has his tattoos are like under his jersey. So people never saw him with mm. tattoos. Like, now he's got his hair in. Now I'm on a roster, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> roster style. Um, and he seems like he's found himself even more so in his retirement. And That's obviously, like we know. Go on. That's, that's how you know Tim Duncan's a madman because what what type of person is intentionally <laughs> bald for twenty years <laughs> only to grow their hair in retirement? It's crazy. It's crazy. It's, crazy. it's um, reminds me of Ashley Young, a Manchester United player. He 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 was bald and then he went to play in Italy and suddenly decided, you know what, I'm gonna let my hair grow out. The weirdest, weirdest thing. Um, and obviously we've got KG, who obviously he had a show on NBA TV and and is kind of probably still around. Um, a lot more than than Timmy, who's obviously working with the Spurs as a coach. Um, but yeah, it was it was great. Obviously, um, Vanessa spoke on behalf of Kobe. It was uh, Michael who entered in. For those of you who don't know, you kind of come up and give your Hall of Fame speech, but then you're entered into the hall or you're you're kind of greeted into the hall. You choose who who greets you, and it uh, has mm-hmm. to be somebody who's already a member. And what we found out um, for when Kobe died and from his memorial is that him and MJ are, are super close, like older brother and, and younger brother type of relationship. Um, so seeing him there to sort of uh, welcome him into the hall um, 
and have Vanessa speak on his behalf um, was, yeah, it was emotional. I won't lie to you guys. I had to stop a bit uh, and then finish it. Um, but yeah, he, he's got his jersey from his 81-point game in the in the hall already. Um, but yeah, this this felt right, you know. So yeah, that was that was great to that was great to see. Cool. Um, the second thing I wanted to touch on was the NBA have now created a uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar Social Justice Champion Award. Um, for those of you who know Kareem, uh, one of the legends of the game, one of the top five players to ever play, um, he was somebody who was a big uh, social justice advocate uh, during his career and has yeah. continued to do that um, in his retirement. He's 70-plus now, I think. Um, and it's fitting that this award should get his his name attached to it, something that will live on um, after he's gone. Um, and it's an honour that will recognise a current NBA player for pursuing social justice and upholding the league's decades-long value of equality, respect and inclusion. Um, I wanted to yeah, get you guys' thoughts. He went through a lot, both in, in that day, obviously, you know, times are not perfect now, but especially back then in, in the 60s and 70s, times were, were, were worse. Uh, and him and Bill Russell went through a lot. Kareem, uh, birth name, I think Lou Inclaw. I think Lou is his middle name, but he went by Lou Anclaw. And then he actually, when he converted to Islam, changed his name, obviously, to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Mm-hmm. And if I remember correctly, uh, you guys will have to Google this, the listeners will have to will have to search this, but he had his house burned down, I think, as a result of, of just people wilding out in retaliation. So you can imagine being an NBA player of that calibre, or of any calibre, um, you know, to have your house burned down as a result of, of your decisions and your choices... Uh, the kind of the the persecution that those guys went through and faced back in the day it is uh, a nice gesture for the NBA to name this award after him. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I feel like um, the NBA does really well in terms of honouring its legends. You know, you've got um, the Finals MVP named after Bill Russell, the logos Jerry West. We see MJ everywhere, etc., etc., etc. Guys mm-hmm. end up coaching teams, end up being GMs in a team off the back of the great careers that they've had. Um, but I feel at times. Uh, Kareem has been somebody that has kind of been forgotten. Yes, yes definitely. He's, he's somebody a, a long time to get a statue outside of Staples Center as well. Crazy, crazy yeah. stuff, crazy stuff, man. So, um, yeah, yeah, this this definitely feels right. And I think, like you say, Greg, things aren't perfect now, but um, in a time such as now, when when would be a better time to bring something like this forward? We know that the NBA, the players in the NBA, take social justice seriously. They they already are big contributors to. Um, their communities, but with everything that happened in the bubble last season in Milwaukee, and there almost being a conversation about the playoffs and the whole season stopping, um, it feels right to commemorate players who are going to the extra effort of push pursuing the social justice cause and, and being advocates, for sure, for sure. Um, and finally, we wanted to talk about, well, I guess you wanted to talk about really, Greg, um, the return of LaMelo Ball. This is uh, a, a public <laughs> service announcement, okay? <laughs> I'm seeing people damn near send death threats to one another over who should win rookie of the year in my opinion just give it to them both it won't be the first time or even be the second time in nba history that two rookies have been given rookie of the year for those who don't know in 1995 grant hill and jason kidd were both given co-rookie of the year in 2000 so five years later elton brand and steve francis were both given rookie of the year and since then obviously that's just 21 years ago i feel there's been at least two years where they could have done co-rookie of the years number one could have been 03 with Melo and LeBron and then number two I can't remember the year but a few years ago when you had Donovan Mitchell and Ben Simmons um I personally thought 
Donovan Mitchell sort of won it because Ben Simmons was in his second year, his yeah, first true. year playing. Yeah. But I think this year, you know, Lamelo, I think is the rookie of the year, but Edwards has obviously played considerably uh, more games and has been stellar in his own right. So just, just give the award to both of them. This is a, a public service announcement for the NBA. <laughs> yeah. Um, what do you think, Rick? I don't know. I think ever since Lamelo came back, he's actually been quite poor. He's still dealing with the wrist injury, of course. But I think in his last 10 games, he's shooting like 39% from the field and 27% from three. So it's kind of putting like a negative light on his overall positive season. I agree that you could do co-rookie of the year. Um, I will say that Lamelo's impact and just his overall funness of his game has kind of stood out. So mm. I think that he'll get it overall. But I do agree, like, I think the way people kind of wrote off Anthony Edwards at the beginning of the season, it's like, oh, he doesn't care about basketball. And, like, LaMelo and Anthony are, like, are just some of the most fun people in the NBA to watch and just their personalities. So I'm, I'm kind of of the same mindset of that. You just got to give it to them both. Because, honestly, like, I don't necessarily know who's had the better season overall. But just, like, from a personality fit, from the way they play their game to their individuality, I really enjoy them both. And I think you can easily both give them the cover of the year. Yeah, I think that's a good idea on your on your part, um, on your part, um, Greg. And when you look at it, uh, Lamelo's going to be in a playing game um, yeah. at least, and that's a chance to to get the eighth seed in the East. While uh, Minnesota, are one of the worst teams in our league. Um, I also suffered from the writing off Anthony Edwards a bit too early. Um, I had him on my fantasy team, so somebody dropped him, and I was like, yeah. I'm gonna pick him up now. Like, he's gonna do all right. And I don't know what was wrong with me, but I gave him literally like a week, and then I dropped him. And it wasn't too long after that he started pulling up the 20 30 point games. Um, listen, I, I ended up winning it anyway, so just putting it out there, I'm the first winner of the courtside fracker fantasy league. Uh, beat them all, led all season, then, then won in the finals as well. Um, but essentially, uh, Anthony Edwards could have just extended my lead, basically. So, uh, yeah, I love when these rookies come in and they're so exciting and they're so different and they're unique, two completely different players, you know. Anthony mm. Edwards, you see his uh, insane athleticism. He's a slasher and you see he goes to the rim with reckless abandon. And then you've got Lamelo, who is uh, quite unique, a one-of-one -one sort of player, super creative, already probably one of the best passers in the league. Um, they spoke about his sort of hitchy jump shot. It still is. But before the injury was was shooting really well, all things considered, and I've yeah, seen him, I've seen them call him the the social media era Jason Williams. That's <laughs> a, a perfect description. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly what he is. He's a he's a walking highlight reel, and there's people always like, oh, oh he sees Lamelo, oh, he sees Lamelo. His game is exciting; it gets people off their feet constantly. Definitely. So of course you're going to see his highlights. He's in the full court pass. You see him off the hand with the the, the offhand. Passes looking at listen, man. The league is in fantastic, fantastic shape. Um, with these two, and I'm, I'm with you guys. Um, hard to separate them this season based on uh, Edwards haven't played more games. Um, but I think Lamella will end up getting it anyway. He's a, he's a media darling, isn't he? Um, yeah. but Edwards gives a great interview, so yeah, I, I look forward to watching them both develop. So, um, I would say, um, I was going to say the most underrated thing about them is that how like they're both like franchise changing players, both off the court as well. Like, Minnesota is a dark place. They've been a dark place for years. But Anthony Edwards there, like, he gives them so much positivity. And now all of a sudden, like, you have Anthony Edwards and Cat, And the future just looks way more bright. And you see positivity in his game. Like, I saw the other day, it was Cat and Jimmy Butler beefing. And they were asking Cat about it, like, post-game. And Anthony Edwards just stepped in and he was like, it's just two grown men, like, playing basketball. 
Like the, the level of maturity and positivity that he brought to that organization is crazy. And with the Hornets, you already see like, they're one of the most fun teams in the league to watch. Like you have Miles Bridges trying to put everybody in the coffin. You have Melo <laughs> just running around, trying to do behind the back passes, no look, everything. So I think and, that's like- the commentators. That's like, yeah, that's what I like the best about them. Like as good as they are on the court, they bring so much of their organizations leading like going forward off the court as well. So. Shout out to them. Facts, facts, facts. Cool. Um, with all that business being put aside, um, let's get into the meat of the pod. Um, this last, we were saying before the pod started, this um, last week has been crazy. Um, for all the people who are detractors of the playing games and stuff, what it's actually inserted into the league, and we've seen it in both conferences, is that continued urgency from teams when ninth, 10th, 11th position. 11th position because they still get to benefit from their uh, relatively high draft pick by not being a high seeding in their uh, regular season performance but you can still sneak into the playoffs you can still actually have a a, a, a bit of a playoff berth which we always know is quite the boon for the fans so uh, in the in the east we've seen Washington um, secure their position uh, the Pacers the Hornets the Celtics take up the play, uh, the playing places um, the Bulls unfortunately missing out in that regard uh in the west we've seen uh the lakers who are actually not confirmed as a playing team yet um, it's all going to be decided today but we're actually going to get into that as the as the pod goes on but in the west you've got the golden state warriors the memphis grizzlies the san antonio spurs who have all secured three of the four playing spaces and the final space is going to be taken by either the Portland Trailblazers or the Los Angeles Lakers. So I just wanted to take some time to, to talk about um, some teams uh, across the conferences and get your thoughts. Um, <clears throat> let's start with the Boston Celtics. So um, right now they're sitting in the seventh position. Um, unfortunately, Jalen Brown, their second or their best player, depending on who you ask, has, has gone down and looks like he's going to be down for a while. Um, listen, they weren't having a good season anyway. The last time we caught up, I think we spoke about them. But what does this what does this do um, for them? I, I'll start with you, Rick. Get your thoughts. Uh, I'm not going to say their season's over, but I think for a long time now, it's just been like going through the motions. And I think they just really want to get to next season and just get a chance to get healthy. They already had a thin roster to begin with. They're big men. They didn't have many big men, and they've just been ravaged by injuries. But everybody knows about Jason Tatum having COVID. You know, Marcus Smart missed some time. Tristan Thompson missing time. Kemba Walker hasn't been right the whole year. So for them, it's just been like a really bad season with just you have a rotating door of injuries and you just never had a really deep roster to begin with. The good thing for them is that when you have two two-way wings in the game, you, every year you'll be in the running for a contender. So I think they look at this year as like, listen, we're going to get in the playoffs, get some more developmental years for our guys. And then next season, we go again. But yeah, I'm not gonna say this season's over, but it's just it just hasn't been a good season, and injuries have just continued to derail it, and now it's kind of like put the the nail in the coffin for them. Yeah, yeah, they've they've got a first round spot uh, with the uh, Charlotte Hornets, um, but Washington, Washington, I think could still steal that spot. Did, um, Washington played the Hornets today. On today, yeah. So the Hornets played the Wizards today. This is crazy. So whoever wins gets the Celtics. Um, who, if you're the Celtics, who would you rather play? Would you rather play the Hornets or would you rather play the Wizards? I don't think the anyone. Wants to see. Yeah, I don't yeah, think I'm not asking. Because all it takes is Russ to go off for one game and be able to just if if Beal is back to to drop a nice 30 35 
Russ to go for 30, 17, and 16. <laughs> yeah, the only thing I would say is that like Bradley Beal is injured, so I understand like why they want to see the um, Wizards because it's kind of just like Russell Westbrook and Nala because they don't have a good coach. But at the same time, it's like the Hornets, you have Lamelo Ball who's injured, and then you look at their rim protection and their big man, and like they play Bismarck Biombo and Cody Zeller, so mm-hmm. I, I'd rather play them. And then uh, with a Hayward is back as well. Is he back yet, Gordon Hayward? I don't, I don't think he's. I don't think he's back yet. Yeah, I don't so. think so either. Let me just let me just. Fact they're, def- it they're definitely not at full strength. I think the the main thing with the Celtics is I think I, this. I feel like Celtics fans feel like they're always a season away. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and this season, obviously, they started strong. You know, they were a top four seed and a top five seed, and they just kept on sliding. And obviously, as the Heat had their troubles and then came through and the Hawks had their troubles, fired their coach and have come through, they haven't been able to accelerate into one of the top five or six seeds in the East. Um, Obviously, you know, we talked about Brown being down. Now he's out for the season. He just had surgery. Um, I don't think they're going to do any real damage in the playoffs this year. Um, And I wonder if this is a season where something big happens in regards to Brad Stevens. Do you think so? Do you think they, they it might be time to, to, to give it up? Um, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they do. Obviously, he can't be blamed for the health side of things. Um, mm. But, you know, sometimes that doesn't stop organisations from making moves. We saw with the Thunder a few years ago, they, they got rid of their coach when uh, they were dealing with a lot of injury issues. And Ibaka came out and said, well, it's not his fault. But, you know, the organisation feels what the organisation feels. So... It's yeah, going to be interesting yeah. whether they make a move around Stevens or maybe trade Brown or or whatever. I, th- I think I think Brown and Tatum are untradeable from their perspective, and I think yeah. um, when they when they were looking at potentially being involved in the Anthony Davis sweepstakes, um, it I think it was Brown who was mentioned a lot of the time, um, mm. and they would no, we're not going to trade him. And obviously, there you've got a two way a two way wing player um, who excels on the defensive side, and his offensive game continues to develop. Um, Brown and Tatum are like the prototypes of players that you build championship teams around. I um, agree. Kemba Walker hasn't quite worked out. Um, puts up more points now that he gets more shots up. But yeah, that hasn't really worked out. And yeah, I'm with you. They had they've gotten to the fight uh, the Eastern Conference Finals a couple of times. And they've looked really close, but it quasi- hasn't quite happened. And just it just feels like something isn't like Kyrie was there. It didn't quite the, work. The East out. is the East is considerably stronger now compared to when they made the Eastern Conference Finals with uh with Horford and LeBron took them seven games. I was about the to East say is, is much better they've, now. They've got three teams that look built to be better than them for the next few years, or for the duration yeah. of KM and Brown's contracts, where you've got the Nets, obviously, you've got Philly, and you've got um, Giannis and the Bucks. So um, where does that leave them? So they're, they're fighting to be the fourth best team in their conference, alongside probably the Miami Heat as well, who've probably got more more budding young players, and there's more of a free agent destination than, than the Celtics, from, from my opinion. Um, I think, so I I think before... Go next. Huh? I said, I don't quite know where they go next. I think, but I think personally for me, I wouldn't necessarily look right at Brad Stevens. I do think that he should come over some criticism simply because the defense has been a lot worse than I expected from them. Like I, I saw their offense kind of taking a nosedive because they're kind of like a playmaker. But yeah, and the person I look at personally is Danny Ainge. I feel like a lot of times, like over the past few years, he's always pump faked on trades. 
So you look at like the Anthony Davis trade and you look at other trades and it's like, when you look back to when they made the Eastern Conference Finals, they had a really, really strong roster. Before the Kyrie injury, they had Kyrie, they had Gordon Hayward, and then just people off the bench, like they had Terry Rozier, they had Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown on rookie contracts. So ever since then, their depth is just mm-hmm. kind of decreased and decreased. So Jalen and Jason have gotten better, but the overall strength of their roster has kind of decreased. And with Kemba there, you got something, like they tried to say it was addition by subtraction, but in reality, he's just not necessarily the player that Kyrie was, nor is he the playmaker. And in the playoffs, like we've already talked about small guards and when you trap them and their liability on the defensive side of things. So for me, they really do need a roster upgrade. They haven't had a good big man in about how long now. I think Tristan Thompson is okay, but if that's your standout um, big man in a conference where you have to play Joel Embiid, I just don't think it's going to work out. So for yeah. me, I, I look at their roster and I'm like, you guys – it's hard to you the the thing that Celtics were good at was finding cheap young rookie deals. Like you had you had Terry Rozier on a low deal, you had Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown on rookie contract deals. Now that it's time to pay these guys, you got you had to do the same thing again. You had to kind of find those high value guys on low end deals that are like either in the first year of their contracts or et cetera. And they just haven't done that. So even with the criticisms of Brad Stevens, I look at Danny Ainge and I just think to myself like that roster needs serious upgrading. And and letting Gordon Hayward go, I understand the idea behind it. But one thing that really hurt the Celtics is that they don't have a playmaker. So when you look at Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, they're they're great scorers, but I wouldn't call them great individual. Uh, I won't say team players, but I'll say they're not they're not creators. I think yeah, Jason, yeah, especially, is being forced into a role that's no, uh, his, his first nature that, is score first. And you know that whole. Make your teammates better thing. I'm doing air quotes. Yeah, here. you don't necessarily. Yeah. I'm improving in isolation, and yes, that does lead to my team being better and us getting more wins. But in terms of bringing everybody else up along with me, it doesn't quite happen. When when we talk about players making their teammates better, what we essentially mean is just by his presence on the court, you're able to have an easier time. You're able to be more efficient just because of the looks that you get, that the attention that he draws. The looks that you end up getting as a result of those lead to you being a more productive team player, and it's it's, it's a two way thing as well. Because I remember Gilbert Arenas talking about this, and he used Chris Paul and Blake Griffin as an example. Arguably not the best example, but I think his point still stands: is that Chris Paul was was getting a lot of attention when he was on the Clippers, and it gave Blake Griffin so much of an easier time. Uh, and I think when you see with the Celtics, is yes, Tatum is a, is a great isolation scorer. Brown is a good isolation scorer, but those other guys don't pose as a threat to take any of the pressure off of those guys. So those guys are being put into positions, Tatum and Brown, where they're not natural playmakers. They're not pass-first, vision-wise guys. So as well as as them being good scorers, they need someone else to occasionally stretch the defense and take pressure off of them. So it's a two-way street, in my opinion. Yeah, I would agree. Facts, facts, completely agree there, Greg. Um, looking at some other teams in the East, let's look a bit higher in the uh, in the uh, Eastern Conference standings than those fighting for the uh, playing positions and those who don't have uh, quite a clear future. Let's come across to the New York uh, Knickerbockers, Julius Randall's New York Knickerbockers. Um, nobody envisioned them having the season they've had. Um, he's he's an All NBA player for them this this year. He's been an All Star All NBA player. It's been great for me personally watching Derrick Rose, um, who in this sort of um, off the bench role for the last couple of teams that he's been on, he's done really well. Been a spark of uh, energy 
and experience and yeah just seeing him still beating guys off the dribble despite mm-hmm. the injuries he's had and getting to the rim with ease um what do we think the Knicks can do we've got a developing RJ Barrett as well quickly's on there on there too um what do we think we can do I think, I think it depends a lot on the on where they end up ranking wise and who they face because those three teams, the Hawks, the Knicks, and the Heat, are kind of in this three-way battle for fourth, fifth, and sixth. Uh, currently, as we record, the, the Knicks are fourth, the Hawks are fifth, and the, the Heat are sixth. I think the Knicks' best chance to get to the second round is to face the Hawks, simply because de- defensively, the Knicks are great. You know, they got a top 10, maybe even a top five defense in the league. Uh, and the Hawks are literally a polar opposites. Their defense stinks. Um, and I think... Even though the Knicks' offense isn't great, if you're going up against a team that's so poor defensively as the Hawks, that is kind of boosted for you. And so you're going to see guys like, hopeful, hopefully see guys like Randall uh, continuing their stellar play in the playoffs. Rose, we know, has played in many playoff series. Uh, so even though he's not the same player that he once was, he does have playoff experience. And in RJ Barrett, who has had a, a, a decent, solid year this year, I think you know the, the Knicks will look to him to take it to the next level come playoff time. Agreed. Yeah, I would I would share those sentiments as well about the um it depends on the seeding essentially. I don't, I think mm. that the Heat are the best team, but I see the Heat not making it as far as others just because I think they'll be locked into into that um sixth position just because I think the the Hawks final game is against the Rockets and the Knicks final game is against the Celtics funny enough. So that's like really important <laughs> for them. But yeah. yeah, I was going to say that the Knicks themselves I've been really proud uh I've always been a uh, Randall fan because you know he's a baby Laker. Uh, I'm really, I'm really proud about the steps he made on defense because at the Lakers, the one thing Luke Walton could do was get him to play defense. He went to New Orleans Pelicans and he forgot everything he learned and he was just a mercenary. <laughs> and like it's you know, players get, food, man. <laughs> yeah, bro. Players get that. They get that. Um, they get that. Uh, like once you have a narrative, it's, it's tough to shape. So once you have a narrative as a player that puts up points and doesn't play defense, it's tough to shape. But mm. I always, like, saw the potential of Randall. I never saw this ability of shot-making. Like, you're seeing him hit, like, step back, side step, mid-range jump shots. I don't know where that came from. Baby Mellow, really, baby. Baby Mellow, basically. <laughs> yeah, and the playmaking was crazy. Like, I was watching the game against the Clippers, and, like, he was just making, like, high-level reads and passing that I didn't expect from Randall. Like, I didn't know that from the high post he would have such good vision. So I do think that they definitely have a chance to win the series. But the more I look at the Hawks, the more I'm really impressed. So I have no that's, – that's my favorite matchup of the first round because I have no idea what's going to happen. Because the Hawks, mm-hmm. like, the Knicks defense is great. But, like, Trey Young has been on, like, a lot of smoke this season. And I hate the way he – I don't like the way he plays. But he's he's terrific. He's actually genuinely terrific. So I'm really excited about that. Great that you mentioned them because that's who I wanted to go across to. So aside from Trey Young, Clint Capella's had a had a stellar season as well for the Hawks. Um, so um, they were struggling, and they brought in Nate Nate McMillan, and he's actually turned things around. The energy around there is is great. They had a weird off season where they got loads and loads of players, and it was just kind of what are you trying to got Rondo in? They got Danilo Gallinari, and they got a, a few others in that escaped my mind right now. Um, and it's kind of like, what direction are you trying to go in? It looks like you have enough players for sure to be able to put together a, a, a solid 10, 10 man deep roster. Um, but it wasn't quite manifesting itself in wins. Um, and I think the front office saw that, got rid of their coach, and he, they brought in 
uh, Nate McMillan. And since he's come in, things have turned around for them. They look locked in while still not a, a stellar defensive team. There's more accountability on that end. Um, they've, they've got talent. They've got guys like her, uh, Trey Young, like I said, Clint Capella, like I said. They've got John Collins, who looks like they're not going to be keeping, but still um, is, a, is a good player. Um, what's changed for them, Rick? What, what do you think's changed for them in the last few months? And like you said, that's your favourite first-round matchup. Um, where do you think he'll be won and lost, potentially? So for me, in my opinion, what changed for the Hawks was the change in coaching. I think maybe Millen, he wasn't great in Indiana. And um, one of the things that he was known for in Indiana was having a really good offense, but a pretty bad defense. And it kind of changed with the Hawks. Like, I was more surprised by how good they've been defensively, especially with Trey Young and having, like, in my opinion, small guards. They, they can hurt you defensively in the playoffs, but they've done a really good job of kind of just like not necessarily hiding him, but trying to get the most out of him on that side. And the, one of the other changes is Trey Young. Like Trey Young in general has stopped taking a lot of the stupid threes that he takes. And he's generally been like terrific. Like when you think of a lead point guard, you think of someone that can really um, just, Again, like it's the, the, the difference between being like a combo guard and being like a lead guard. Like he leads that team. Like you can put the ball in his hands and anywhere. And they run a lot of high pick and roll with him and Compella. And that game is pretty great. And then they have Bogdanovich. And Bogdanovich is a terrific secondary creator. So when you have like, when you have Trey Young coming off a pick and then you have Bogdanovich on the weak side, uh, you can pitch it to Bogdanovich and he's shooting like 43% from three. So he's shooting a crazy high percentage. And he also knows how to drive so he can break a defense down. You can attack or close out. And they have a bunch of guys that can do that. Like, of the names you mentioned, like, we didn't even mention DeAndre Hunter. And DeAndre mm. Hunter is a stud. Like, when you look at him defensively, you look at the tools he has. So the Hawks, what they did this season is basically say that, okay, we're not going to win the championship, but what's important is that we get some playoff experience for their young guys. So they went out and got those pieces. So when you look at Bogdanovich, you look at Hunter, you look at Capella, all those guys are kind of contributing and peaking at the right time. So that's really been the main thing that I've seen from them. Uh, John Collins, I agree. I don't think they're necessarily going to be keeping. Even Gallinari has been important for them, and sometimes he steps up and hit a big amount of shots. So what they have is that they have players that can do multiple things. Like you look at Gallinari, you look at Bogdanovich, you look at John Collins, you look at DeAndre Hunter. Like they all know how they can all shoot the ball, they can all attack closeout. So it gives them a variety on offense that a team like the Knicks doesn't necessarily have. So when you look at the Knicks, they have a bunch of guys that are going to be great that are going to defend that are going to play 48 minutes a game because Tom Thibodeau is not making subs. So the Knicks have a bunch of guys. The Knicks basically have a bunch of guys, and they'll make, they, get, they make the game ugly. So you watch them against the Lakers. Anthony Davis got hit in the face like seven different times, and that's what you're getting when you play the Knicks. And they're also rigid as well. So you, you, it's, it's rare that you get a team like the Knicks to buy in. They have a weird mixture of vets and young players. I, have, I, don't, I don't even know how Todd Gibson is still in the league. I don't know how old he is. He's just he's there the, for a paycheck. He's on the Knicks. He just, that's what the Knicks do. They sign random players that are like 42 years old. You see them pop up and contribute. has his guys in it. Yeah, Tim as long as Tom Thibodeau is a coach, Todd Gibson will have an NBA We'll have a job, yeah. But yeah, it's, so I think that um, I where I see it being won and lost is the shot-making ability of the Knicks. I think the Knicks, I, I believe in the Knicks defense. I think they can kind of pressure it up. But one thing that you kind of see with teams like I don't want to put them in a stereotype, but you kind of saw last year with the Bulls when a team kind of plays hard all the time, all the time, all the time, and they kind of like, they can team them with smaller teams. Once you get to the playoffs and other teams match your intensity, that difference isn't always there. So 
the Knicks, they come in and they play hard every night. And they're one of those teams where, like, you kind of – you can't just be caught sleeping against them. You have to play. So, in the regular season, you know what I'm saying, you go to New York, you are partying the night. You play the Knicks the next night, you might be thrown up, like, in five minutes because somebody just elbowed you in your gut. You know what I'm saying? Once we get to the playoffs, I'm wondering how, like, the intensity factor between them is going to match up. Yeah, it's good. It's going to be a great clash in that regard, and I, I look forward to it. And yeah, salute to Tibbs and the Knicks on what's a great season. Ob Knicks fan, resident Knicks fan. Um, at the at the start of last season, we were um or start of the play playoffs last season, we were laughing, um, at him. Uh, long suffering Knicks fan. Um, so really, what they need to do is build on what they've got. They're gonna. You're always um. They're always going to have that uh, defensive identity when Tibbs is your coach. His team's always going to play hard, like you said. Um, what you where you see them struggle, like um, out of bounds plays. Like I watched their game against the the Lakers, and what you're seeing is uh, RJ Barrett taking a taking a deep three. Is like, come on, man. So if they can pick up a couple of uh, good offensive players to add to the culture that they've already got, the culture that they've already um, uh, built there this season, they kind of can potentially establish themselves as that kind of fourth, fifth best team in the East along with Miami. Um, so, yeah, hopefully they don't mess it up. They don't mess it up because, yeah, they, they're the first time they've been good in a long, long, long time. <laughs> it's crazy. I think they're going to mess it up. I think they're going to mess it up. What do you I think is going to happen? What do you think they're going to do? I think that James Dolan is probably one of the worst um, owners in sports history. And I'm not going to say they got lucky, but I don't think they saw this coming from Julius Randle because, like, Nobody if you did. saw this coming from Julius Randle, why do you have five power forwards on the team? As like, like, why did you sign Obi Toppin? Who well, I like Obi Toppin, but where's the development for him coming from? Because he's not getting minutes ahead of Randle. Tom Thibodeau is not a coach that's even known for developing young guys in the first place. And you're going to have Taj Gibson, you have Nolan Noel, you have Mitchell Robinson, you have Julius Randle. Why do you have so many power forwards? Because Why so many spacing so issues as well. Words. It's so mm-hmm. many spacing issues, and then I—it's I, a question of just like they're—they're they're a team that's caught in the wrong era. If they was playing in in two thousand and four, I think I would easily take them over the uh, over the Hawks. But in the in the NBA today, and especially what we've seen this season, the, the Hawks could literally just outshoot their way into the second round. I think they but lack I, the versatility. I think I think they could survive in this era if they had the versatility to play different styles. I think the problem is that not only do you not have shooting, you don't necessarily have a lot of guys that are putting pressure on the defenses as well. I think I think the two best players that put the most rim pressure are Randall and you have Derrick Rose. I think RJ Barrett took a leap, which is really I'm really, I'm glad to see from him, but I think even he's still a little bit far away. So I personally don't trust their front office, and I haven't in the past. I think they've been bad for a while. I'm glad to see that they're up now. Hopefully they can continue it because basketball is more enjoyable when the Knicks are better, in my opinion. But based on the track record I've seen from their front office, nah. Uh, <laughs> you both make good points there. Fingers crossed, man. I don't know why I'm rooting for them. I can't stand James Dolan, but yeah. <laughs> it's, it's nice when the, the league's biggest franchise is actually relevant and not just a, a laughing stock. Um, I wanted to go across to the West um, and talk about what I can only describe as a, as a weird... Shameful behavior. Don't be polite with it. It's shameful, (laughs) shameful, shameful behavior. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna provide a different perspective. Yeah, we know at the end of the season they do the exit interviews and whatever, and you review your season. 
Um, and depending on if you're a first round exit in the playoffs, second round, um, second round, or you get to the finals, um, it, it shapes how your season's gone. Obviously, that always comes down to matchups, how how the, how things shake up. So, say for example, you're the Utah Jazz or you're the Phoenix Suns, and you're having uh, the best regular season you've had in years. And in the Suns' case, the best regular season they've had since uh, I think it's 2010. They've actually made the playoffs for the first time since 2010. Um, you're celebrating. They're trying to get Chris Paul the MB- MVP. Devin Booker's taken the leap supposedly, and you do all that only to match up with the reigning champions in the LA Lakers, uh, arrested Anthony Davis, who's started to come into his own again. It's really, I think he's put the team on his back. Uh, LeBron played yesterday, looked great as well. Um, and you get, after all that, you get knocked out in the first round in a gentleman's sweep. What <laughs> what was it all for? Same, same question for the Jazz. Um, but what, what makes me laugh more is the Clippers. The Clippers trying to, be funny and tank game so they don't match up against people too early. So you'd call it shameful, Greg. Wanted to give my perspective. But yeah, f- from your perspective, Greg, um, what do you see? The game's gone, yeah? <laughs> I wouldn't go I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> I just I don't I don't know. I, I we talked about the playing tournament earlier. Uh I have mixed feelings over it. I do like the the fact that it causes the teams to compete, but the caveat to that, or at least in this scenario, it, although it is a kind of a one-off with the Lakers being seventh, is that you have these top teams now kind of half tanking to avoid the Lakers. Um, <laughs> I, I was discussing with some friends, like, what, you know, if I was the commissioner, what would I do with the play-in and the playoffs and stuff like that? And I was gave them the suggestion of, well, what if the first team got a bye to the second round? And I know that sounds kind of crazy, but that's what used to happen back in the in the 80s. Uh, like so, the, the Magic Johnson Lakers used to get a bye to the second round. I think that would eliminate what we're seeing now with these teams trying to avoid the Lakers in the first round, um, because we know we know the Lakers at seventh is a deceiving seventh. You know, before yeah. LeBron went down and AD went down, they were a top two seed, if I'm uh, remembering yeah, correctly, were, or at were. least top three. Definitely, yeah, they, they were top three. two seed, top yeah. two seed. So you're essentially, let's say, going up against a, a top three seed in the first round. Um, yeah, it could get sticky, but you know, like like Jordan said in the last dance, he played a game to win. So I don't want to see no intentional tanking from you top seeded teams. I hear you, and I think even if we can't necessarily have a buy, letting the top seed pick which of the winners of the play-in tournament that they go up against. So you've got four teams come through and they say, you know what, I want the team that's seventh or I want the team that's eighth. That gives me a better onus to want to define my destiny and actually play to get that top seed. But what you actually see is the, the, the Suns don't know what to do with themselves. Like after all this progress we've supposedly made, we match up with the Lakers and it's, and it's curtains. And then subplot, you've got Denver playing Portland tonight. Um, I'm very, I'm discussing this with some friends and they're like, it's not in Denver's culture to give up a game. But again, if they, if they potentially um, find themselves as the, um, if they, if Portland lose and the Lakers win, the Lakers then go into the sixth, the Lakers then go into the sixth seed and and that has them playing third place Denver. Denver don't want to see them either. Denver don't want to see without Jamal Murray. Denver don't want to see them either. So I'm going to be. Oh, yeah, really Lakers, are, Lakers are dealing with them in fighting five. Yeah, yeah. I'll, so, I'll give Jokic one game to drop 40, 20, <laughs> and, and, and 19 or something, but nah. Yeah, right. <laughs> They're so dealing I'm, with them in five. So I'm interested to see 
Will they obviously Mike Malone, you know, old school sort of guy, integrity, we play the right way. Is he going to play the long game where we let Portland win so we can get Portland in the first round, deal with them in four or five games? Or um, um, do you actually just let, um, yeah, do you, or do you go the other way where you play your hardest, end up beating them and set yourself up for a first round matchup with LeBron, AD and the Lakers? Uh, Rick, what are your thoughts on this sort of mini tanking that's going on in the in the West? I think that it's a little bit of mini tanking for certain teams. I think like, I think for the Clippers in general, I think it may be a health thing, simply because a lot of their guys haven't necessarily been healthy the whole season. Serge Ibaka, like, was out for a long time, and he just came back. So I'll give them a little bit of leeway. Uh, I don't mind them losing, you know what I'm saying, where the Lakers don't have to play them until, like, the conference final, most likely, so I don't personally mind it. I think that the, um, it's not it's not anything that hasn't necessarily happened before, so I'm not as upset with it. I think that it takes, like, um a lot away, like, without the playing, the game that we, we're seeing now, we would have saw, like, two weeks ago. Like, teams would have just nailed it in. So I do kind of understand. I agree with Mario, though, that you should be allowed. I want the first seed to be allowed to pick their opponent just because it allows the first seed to actually mean a little bit more. So that's kind of what I see. But I think the Utah Jazz, a lot of their concerns might be down to injuries. Like, I, I think that if, if you had Donovan Mitchell back, you beat the Warriors just because I think they generate too many good looks from three. But you're telling me you haven't you have Donovan Mitchell ain't played and you have a Steph Curry out here dropping 40 about to pull up on you. That's 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 a little different. So yeah. Um I I personally don't necessarily mind it. I think that Denver, if I was Denver, I would lose. I'm not gonna lie. Like if I look at Portland and I'm like, I see food. Like if I'm Denver, I'm like, they're telling me I can play Portland and I can have Jokic and they're not guarding him, so I would do that. But Jokic already came out and said, listen, I played a win. So I think they're going to play a win today. And honestly, I, love, I like to see Dane fighting for his life. I can't lie. It just brings, it brings a certain happiness out of me because Dane is different. When Dane is fighting for his life, something entertaining is going to happen. Like yeah. in the play-ins last year, he was fighting for his life. And that was one of the most entertaining basketball I've seen from him. So. Yeah, and he's, he's, again, he's put together a stellar run these last 10, 15 games because um, there was a point where they were in free fall. They were in free fall, and that, and that defence, while um, it's improved slightly, it's a historically bad um, defence, one of the worst we've ever seen. You, you, yeah, you I, saw, are... I saw a stat where you say it was a top five worst uh, defensive <laughs> rating in NBA history. Yeah, and at the same time, they had a top five best offensive rating in NBA history. I don't know how offensive and defensive rating are calculated, but <laughs> something is up. <laughs> it's, uh, it's just um, average of the points you've um, scored across every game, um, and then it's average of the points you've given up across every game. And they were when they were there was a time in the season when they were top three, four seed, and they had a, a neutral point differential. And you don't see that essentially. You don't um, see that. Be, if you're a top seed, there's a clear positive point differential. It's a sign of the times, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and what they what they tended to have happening was Dame kept going unconscious in the fourth quarter. You saw when he was leading in fourth quarter points, uh, percentage yeah. of bu- buckets made in the clutch, the number of threes, three point percentage in the clutch, um, and he was kind of keeping them afloat. Um, he kind of went back to being normal. They started to lose, and then again he went on another another uh, run for them. So yeah, it's a no brainer, really. Um, speaking of defense, um, I thought it would be good to, to to sit with you two, especially you, Greg, as a old school NBA fan. <laughs> the game, what, what happened to my 87, 82? Grind it out. Um, Bring it back. <laughs> old school Spurs Detroit Pistons series. 
um, to talk all defense. So for those of you who don't know, alongside um, all the other awards, we've got um, our all defensive first and second teams. Um, it's important we reward the other side of the game that sometimes gets forgotten until we get to the playoffs. Until we get to the playoffs, nobody really cares. And then the teams that can't defend end up being cooked food because all your opponents are going to do is exploit that weakness again and again and again and again. And like you say, you can't... Well, Pat Riley will tell you defence and rebounding is what wins you titles. Uh, probably um, the old school Celtics will tell you that too. But um, I wanted to sit with you two and get your thoughts on the de- defensive teams first and second. I'll start with you, Greg. Um, yeah, take us through your team and then we'll come across to you, Rick, and we'll, we'll see how closely they're aligned. Yeah, so last last week on the pod, we talked all NBA team and we we discussed about the uh the, the how, how can we describe it how how players are eligible for multiple positions uh so i've tried to stick yeah, as true to a, a person's position as possible um to tell you the honest truth i actually have no idea which well for some players which players are eligible for what position or whatnot <laughs> but i've just i've just tried to i've tried to be authentic make it I've make tried sense. To be, yeah I've tried to true, be true so for my all nba first team uh defense i've got uh simmons and butler at the two guards I've got Yanis and Kawhi at the two forwards and then Gobert at the centre position. Okay, interesting. Um, Rick, who have you got? Uh, I don't have Kawhi. I do have I do have Simmons on there. I have Butler on there. Uh, I think at my small forward, I wanted to put OG on and Ubi on there. I don't know if he's played enough games, though. So I kind of had to check with that. And then at power forward, I had... I don't think Anthony Davis has played enough games to get there. Oh, at hell no. I had, yeah. <laughs> At center, I had um, Embiid, and then I kind of wanted to cheat. It's going to sound crazy, but I personally wanted to put Ben Simmons at forward just because that's where he should play, and he just needs to realize that. And then at my guard position, <laughs> I wanted to put Fred Van Vliet there. But in my defense, uh, Toronto just hasn't been good enough. But, um, yeah, he's crazy defensively. Like when you, uh, when you, their Toronto's defense should not be good with two, <laughs> with two little ass points on the side. Yeah, but, I've I've yeah. seen some people give Fred VanVleet a shout at, at, yeah. all de- at all defensive team. Uh, I did have an asterisk next to Kawhi. I feel like that's my, he that's my uh, name value person. Yeah, every, yeah, every yeah, year there's one person that makes it because of name value. value. <laughs> so yeah. that's I, I'm willing to 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 remove Kawhi from mine. Um, I did have Adenovi on my second team. I know we're going to come to second team, but I, I yeah. hear you on your on your shouts. Um, a lot, a lot of what you guys have said has kind of echoed my thoughts. But I, I had Simmons and Butler at the guard positions. I had Yanis and Draymond at the forward positions, and I had Rudy Gobert. Oh, as- I for- nah, I forgot about Draymond. Draymond has to be first team. Yeah, Draymond has to be. I can't believe Greg. Why don't you have Draymond first team? Because he can't shoot. <laughs> I don't like it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I'm a hypocrite because Simmons is there, I know, but I just don't like Draymond, man. Get this guy here. He called, him, he called himself the best defender ever. So, <laughs> yes. Hey, listen, he might be the best defender of his generation. Like what Draymond Green used to do, this man used to stop fast breaks one on one. And he used, he basically just come, he broke. He's, like what's he's the, the Warriors best defender of the last. Of the last six years, but not the last sixty. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I, I won't be mad at him for thinking that. I think that he, I would. He, he's in his own. <laughs> I think that the the resume that he's put up and the people that he's went up against, like he has a case for that. Like I remember with the Pel- the Pelicans, 
he gave Anthony Davis a hard time when he was on the Pelicans when they played the Warriors. And that was crazy because he's given up a lot of size. He's crazy. And this year, so the Warriors have been saying? a really good defensive team. Mm, yeah. I agree. I agree. So we're moving Kawhi and inserting Dream on there. I think so. Yes, I'm. Oh, yeah. I'm. I'm sorry, Kawhi. I tried, man. I tried. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, so our guards, we've got Simmons and we've got Butler. At our forwards, we've got Draymond and Giannis, and at our center, we've got Rudy Gobert. Uh, any complaints? Yeah. No. Sounds good. Also, to me. Rick, interesting. You didn't have Rudy Gobert first team. Um, yeah, he had Embiid. What? Why? Why? Tell us why. What? What made you pick Embiid? I think it's a toss-up. I will say that I think that MB has done a little bit better switching this season. I don't necessarily think it's a positive of his, but I, that's kind of why I gave it for him. And I think that Philadelphia in general has been an elite defense. I will say that Philadelphia has a lot better defensive players than Utah does. It's really a toss-up. I could hear the argument for either one. I think that, as, as weird as it sounds, Rudy Gobert is probably the best regular season defensive floor raiser, simply because Utah just I think their second best defender is like Royce O'Neal. And they asked Royce O'Neal to like check Kawhi and LeBron. And he's giving up like 40 pounds. And his chest <laughs> is pretty much, his chest is probably made out of pulled pork by now. And then the other defender is like, the other defender is Bogdanovich. And they just, they just throw him out there to be like, listen, try your best. So I think Rudy Gobert does a really good job of shutting off the rim. So I wouldn't be mad if he's first team or second team, honestly. Yeah, I did, I did, I did try and be shameless and put Embiid as a forward, seeing as he's quote unquote eligible. But I said, no, I can't do it, man. (laughs) (laughs) The old school fan in me can't do it. I don't care what he's eligible for. Yeah, uh, looking at our second team, um, I'll start with you, Greg. Um, Who did you have? I had had, uh, the two guards. I had Drew Holiday and Lou Dort. The forwards, I had Ananobi and Thibault. Uh, and in the center, I had Embiid. Okay, how about you, Rick? So I did have Drew Holiday as well. I'm going to move Fred Van Vliet to the second team because I moved Draymond up to my first team. I keep Simmons in there. At yeah. guard, I was thinking about Kawhi. I don't think he's had that good of a season. But I'll put Kawhi in there. And then at my center, I was going to have Rudy Gobert just because I had to put Joel in the first team. Mm, okay, so Drew Holiday, I, I'm in agreement with. Um, obviously, Embiid, I'm also in agreement with. Uh, I don't, my, I'm a Fred Van Viet fan, so I, I've I've not got a problem with him making um, all defensive team. Lou Dort, of course, fantastic defender. I'm surprised we don't have a, a Laker, maybe a, a Schroeder in there after after the defensive season they've had. I definitely was thinking about that. If I had to choose a Laker, it would either be um, it would probably Caruso or Schroeder. Um, you know, if you had to pick in a toss-up, if you had to pick in a toss-up between the two, who would you go with? I think that, that I personally would go with Schroeder, simply because yeah, I think that same. he has elite foot speed. So when I see him chase, and the the pressure that he puts on point guards is crazy. So you kind of see him picking up from full court, and his foot speed essentially is what helps him kind of stay with really quick point guards, and it kind of helps him. But I think that Caruso, the numbers look better for him in terms of defensive impact. The numbers aren't necessarily everything because defensive numbers are just really shaky. But what Caruso kind of brings you is that he's more versatile and he's a really, really, really good team defender. But I would have to give it to Schroeder just because I think that he's played more and he's just been – like that's been the best consistent part about his game this season. Mm, it's um, weird. In my, in my second team, I have Lou Dort and Ananobi, but their teams uh, outside of those guys aren't, aren't great defensive teams. So yeah, I do yeah, hear that. I do hear the argument for replacing them. Does that make them more valuable, though? 
does that make them more valuable when you're it because, makes them it, yeah, it, it, it depends how you it depends how you yeah. rank. Like we all know that a team that's won more games, those players are more likely to get put in positions of recognition, despite the fact that there could be other players that you could argue are individually better, but their team, due to the team success, you know, it, it not being the same level, they are not given the recognition that they deserve. Uh so it, it depends on what you rank personally. I'd also say it also depends on like whether you prefer team defense or individual defense. So I think that, for example, someone like Draymond Green, the reason that he's like one of the five best defenders in the NBA is because he's just as good as a team defender as he is an individual defender. So when you look at him mm-hmm. calling plays, he's got him on switching. And he can play he can play a drop coverage. He can play a switch coverage. He can play a hard hedge coverage and a recover. So he can kind of do all of that. Whereas someone like um, Lou Doyle and Van Fleet, like where I find them really, really valuable is that they're individual defense. They're kind of like pesky defenders and, like, you have Steph coming in, like, I'm okay with putting a Van Fleet or a Lou Dort on him to chase him around the whole game because I believe that they can kind of do that and stick with him. So I think it really depends on, like, what you prefer. I think that the, the individual defender won't necessarily make a bad team, a bad defense good. Whereas, like, someone like Draymond, like, he kind of has changed the Warriors' defense in terms of what they are. And he kind of, like, he raises the floor of that defense. So mm. it depends on what you prefer. And more, more valuable doesn't automatically necessarily mean better. So, like, I think Embiid is a better defender than Clint Capella, but if you take Capella off of the Hawks and Embiid off of the Sixers, the Hawks are going to suffer more because of their lack of, uh, you know, more because of their lack of other defensive talent, whereas the Sixers have guys like Simmons and and Thiable, so they can still be a decent defensive team. Yeah. Yeah, like, Gobert is probably, like, the most valuable regular season defender, but I don't think he's the best defender in the NBA, so it's just so weird. It's a weird spot to be in. Mm-hmm. Because when it comes to the playoff, he, he gets exposed and teams target him due to his inability to come out to the perimeter and defend. And um, we've seen him yeah. get cooked sometimes. Okay, so the second team sounds a bit harder. I'm going to say, based on what we've discussed, what I think, and you guys can let me know if you want to tweak anything. So Drew Holiday obviously gets in. I'm going to go Dennis Schroeder. Um, let's uh, go... Ooh. Surprised nobody mentioned Paul George, but um, let's go... Kawhi, um, Embiid at centre, and who who was a, a, a second forward you guys had? I had Fable from the Sixers. I had Giannis. You had Giannis, but we got Giannis in the yeah. first team. Um, so yeah. give a shout to my guy Fable. Or whoa, 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 Bam, Bam. I think Bam. Well, I don't know. Bam is a centre. So yeah, Bam is a centre. I had two guys for near misses. So an undersized centre though. I wouldn't mean that putting him forward. I put Bam at, at, uh, as a near miss and I put Bridges from the Suns as a near miss. Oh, I would not mind Bridges. I, I can't lie. I'm 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 liking the sound of Bridges, Greg. Yeah, Bridges is good. Bridges is good. I'm liking I don't the sound. Honorable mention would probably be um Miles Turner, but I don't think he's been better than Embiid or Gobert, but he's been very good defensively as well. Mm-hmm. So, so but yeah, Macau Bridges has been like that on defense this year. Okay, let's go. So let's go. Drew Schroeder, Macau Bridges. We're going to give it to the Suns because they're, they're high seed, like you said, yeah. Greg. Um, Embiid and Kawhi. Has Kawhi been better? I don't mind playing. I don't know. Under- I don't know. So you, we're going to put Kawhi ahead of Ananobi. And you said you mentioned Bam as well. That doesn't sit right with me. Or, yeah, that doesn't sit. I, 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 I personally think Ananobi has been better. I do think okay, Kawhi has been bad defensively. 
But I think Kawhi's defense has, I don't want to say just been off name value because it's, he's still a good defender. But he's, he just has, he hasn't been, it hasn't been at that level. He hasn't been the whole world defender he, that he was. He's, yeah. he's, he's, in a, he's in a tough predicament because it's like, in his peak, he was such an insane defender that now naturally that he's averaging 25 a game or whatever, he can still be a good defender. He can still be a great defender, but he's never going to reach that peak that he was at when he won back-to-back Defensive Player of the Year award. Um, but then yeah. the, the the counter to that is that he does sometimes survive off of name value. Agreed. And let's not do, let's not do that here on courtside, yeah? Let's, <laughs> let's, let's not go with a name value pick. Let's give it to OG. Uh, OG, OG Ananobi. We'll put yes. OG Ananobi in the, the, the second forward spot. So our second team, Drew Holiday, Dennis Schroeder, OG Ananobi, Joel Embiid, and who's the last person I'm forgetting? Mikel Bridges. And we got Draymond in the first team. So yeah, it's always fun when you start doing this team because you always feel like you've got your team locked in your head. But then once you start discussing with somebody yeah. else, starts to make, <laughs> I'm not sure, even though you had those same conversations with, with yourself. So um, for those of you who are listening before Sunday's games, um, enjoy them. Make sure you check them out. Um, for those of you who are listening afterwards, uh, the play-ins are, um, are upon us. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. You're going to have Rush. You're going to have Steph. You're going to have Tatum. You're going to have one of Dame, LeBron, AD. Um, you're going to have DeRozan. Uh, you're going to have Jean Morant in there as well. You're going to have Lamelo. You're going to have. Um, I'm not sure if. Um, I'm not sure if um, Sabonis is actually going to come back actually because he, he he's injured, isn't he? But you're talking about some of the top players in the league are going to be on show in this coming week. So yeah, for me, long live the play-ins, man. And with that, thank you for your time this afternoon, gentlemen. Enjoy the rest of your days. No worries, man. Thank you. All right, peace. Yeah. All right. All right. Podcast Network.